numbers station just broadcast my name. That was a week ago. I'm an addict. Anything I could get my hands on, I'll abuse. Drugs, sex, and everything in between. But my addictions aren't limited to the conventional. I'll be sucked into an author's work for weeks and weeks, reading everything they've written and piecing it together into a mental tapestry. My behavior isn't life-changing. It's not the way it's portrayed on TV. I haven't sacrificed everything for my habits. Yet. My newest addiction has proved to be the most dangerous of all. I became obsessed with number stations. So many of them were projecting on the airways, mysterious broadcasts happening in real time, mysteries open to the public. I joined several online communities and together we worked to understand why they were broadcasting. It was thrilling, working as a group, listening to the broadcasts together, then joining to decode them, to try and understand what they were saying, and more importantly, to who. We were a unit, and though we may not always crack them or get to the bottom of it, we felt like we were doing something. We felt like we were modern-day detectives, the rejects and outcasts banding together against the world. I made a lot of good friends on those websites. We couldn't crack a beer together like normal guys, and discussions of our personal life were rare. But you got a good idea for who someone was when they truly committed themselves to a goal. But we needed to know more. I tried a few stations outside of my designated lot. There was one I became particularly attached to. It was so new and something about it seemed different. It was broadcast late evening, and the voice spoke in a low staccato English accent. A woman's voice. Often there were biblical references. Difficult to spot unless you were familiar with how stations worked. This became my specialty, and eventually my main focus. I didn't know everything about the station, but I was beginning to piece together what it was. And it all changed about a week ago. The show was reaching the end. The time read 12.07, and I was finishing my last beer and preparing to post an update, then head to bed. The numbers hit a slight static patch, not unusual, and the voice became warped. It took on an almost liquid quality, adapting to the static and morphing around it. Hurriedly, I reached for the volume, just in time for the sign-off. Tune in next time. It was as per usual, but the static was getting more and more intense, like something was surging through the radio waves. And keep digging, Orson. I froze. Of course, it could have been a coincidence. Someone else with that name could be related. It had to be me. But they never used names. The four words, tune in next time, were, apart from numbers, the only words that I'd ever heard. The paranoid detective in me set to work. Now online, I didn't claim I was Orson. Instead, with the two others who'd been listening in, I pretended not to know, and we set off to discover who this Orson was. 
but I knew it was me. I just needed to see if there was any proof. The community came alive, suggesting anything and everything related. Orson, a pop band formed in the early 90s. Orson Welles, famous master of media, was the favorite. I let them burrow away, whilst I turned my attention to the other broadcasts, earlier ones, to see if there was a breadcrumb trail leading back to me. It was after this that, like the static, my life became jumbled. Fragments seemed to leap out and overleap each other. Now, I wasn't in a trance, but very occasionally, I would come to, with no real idea of where I was or what I was doing. Instead, I could just hear the low buzz of static. Several events from the week after the broadcast leapt out at me. The first may have seemed inauspicious, a weird moment that goes forgotten, like the stub of a ticket in a coat pocket. But it struck out to me. I was at the supermarket, in between the sterile white aisles, quietly reading the names of various pastas under my breath to find one I was looking for, when a tall woman came up to me. Orson? I frowned slightly, about to reply when she interjected. It is Orson. I think we met at... She continued in a slightly robotic manner as I held my side of the conversation. I had no idea who she was, but didn't want to offend her and so lied where lying was due and tried to be as vague as possible. The conversation was odd, and her questions became more and more probing until I tried to leave. She let me go and walked with a stilted gait towards the exit. As she left, she turned and waved. 127. Orson. 127. Now, while puzzling over this odd farewell, I realized she hadn't bought anything. In fact, she never had anything to begin with. When I try to remember her, all I can recall is a dark silhouette, and in my mind's eye she stands behind me, although I'm sure we spoke face to face. That night, while still confused after the day's events, I tuned in to the station. It ended the same way, again. Mentioned my name. Keep digging, Orson. Followed by a beep, which usually preceded numbers. 127. It beeped again, and the station shut off for the night. And I had my proof now, but still pretended online that I had no idea, and helped with the witch hunt for the relation between 127, Orson, and the broadcast. The number 127 occurred more and more often. Small coincidences, like frozen frames in a movie, the number of a local bus, my number in the queue, the price of a tiny lighter, $1.27. I kept seeing the woman, too, always just before I'd see the number. She'd wave to me from the seat of her car as the bus followed, or smile at me through the glass window of an off-license. The slightly yellow teeth, the only feature I can clearly recall. Now, of course, I have to mention here that I know it must seem like I was losing the plot. And to anyone else, 
I'm sure that this would have sent them mad or confirmed their madness. But to me, it was like mainlining my addiction. It was the difference between cut and pure, between a child's kiss and sex, between dreaming and living. It fueled me. I was now part of the mystery. I was the star, the missing piece in the puzzle I'd been spending countless hours poring over. For an addict like me, this was it. I began to neglect my other duties. The numbers in my life and on the station were like moments of clarity in between doses of static. On Wednesday, a man called and asked if I was Orson. Precisely two hours and seven minutes later, he called back and asked the same question, but this time lingering at the end, instead of hanging up. Listening to me breathe with no breath of his own. I relied on the community less and less, instead scrawling in a notebook. All else was just white noise. On Friday, I came into town to buy myself a new notebook. She was already inside the bookshop when I entered. She used my name and told me to stop. She took the notebook from me and calmly placed it back on the shelf. The Dark Woman. That's what I started calling her, for I could never remember the color of her skin or any defining features, only the silhouette and those yellow teeth. But it became a game. Now I would try and spot her, and she became more and more daring with when she would reappear. At 1.27 in the morning, while in the kitchen to make another cup of coffee, she briefly hovered in the kitchen window, smiling. I looked up and after staring at her for a few seconds, she slunk away. She was like a shadow and I became convinced that the voice in the station was her. It had to be her. I've been onto something, and she was sent to stop me. But I won't stop. She can rattle my windows all she likes, but I won't stop. She knows I watch her at night, slowly creep through my garden. But I won't stop. In my rare visits to the online community, I noticed that they too had begun to see her. Anyone who listened to the station... An investigated would occasionally post about their memories slipping, and a woman appearing before they'd seen the number 127. The reports of the woman are the same. One can never remember her clearly, only her silhouette, and she only appears in brief moments. A smiling face and a throng of people on a crowded street, an extra in an old TV show. A smile at the window. Saturday's broadcast was faster. The numbers came quicker. And the standard, Keep digging, Orson, followed by the number 127, was broken as if the speaker wanted to get the words out of their mouth and into the world. It's Sunday, and she's everywhere now. I think something big will happen tonight when the broadcast airs. It's all coming together. My theories are slowly being proven. The numbers, my name, the static. They're saying online that if anyone is listening, they should get out.
There's only a few of us now, but I need my fix. I need to complete the puzzle. They can warn me all they want. I'll be listening. Even to the static. Excerpt from the Wikipedia entry on Shakespeare's Sonnet 127. Sonnet 127 of Shakespeare's Sonnets, 1609, is the first of the Dark Lady sequence, Sonnets 127 to 152, called so because the poems make it clear that the speaker's mistress has black hair and eyes and dark skin. In this poem, the speaker finds himself attracted to a woman who is not beautiful in the conventional sense, and explains it by declaring that, because of cosmetics, one can no longer discern between true and false beauties, so that the true beauties have been criticized unfairly and out of favor. <laughs>